Psalms. Psalm 119, and if you were not with us last week, we started uh, in Psalm 119 and verses 1 through 3, and we're just going to work our way through this entire psalm, all 176 verses of it, uh, not tonight, but in however many weeks it takes. And we gave you some introductory thoughts uh, last week to what Psalm 119 is all about. And we had stated uh, last week um, that we don't know who the author of this psalm is. There's no title given, as most psalms have uh, an author uh, listed, of a psalm of David, etc., etc. But Psalm 119 does not, uh, what we know of Psalm 119 is that it's the Word of God psalm. It's all about the law of God, the precepts of God, the commands of God. And you see those words that are used interchangeably over and over again throughout this psalm. And another interesting thought about this, uh, related to the author, uh, because there's speculation as to who the author might have been, uh, but one hint might be that there is no mention of the temple, there's no mention of ritual law, there's no mention of the Mosaic law uh, in this psalm. Rather, what you find is great emphasis on the inward spiritual aspect of the heart and faith. And so it might indicate that it was um, even before uh, uh, the, the, the uh, law given to Moses, or uh, at least before it was set up uh, uh, as, a, as a practice and so on. And, and the psalmist that's kind of beside the point, really, because the main thought is that the psalmist didn't see the law of God as something that was harsh, like an edict. Uh, rather, he saw the law of God as a source of joy, something to rejoice in. And there's no sense in any of this psalm of any kind of cold, legalistic keeping of the Mosaic law. Rather, what you find is this warmth coming from one who simply seems to be in love with the Lord. And that is a vital truth and principle because Jesus said, if you love me and when you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. The commandments of God are not going to be harsh. They're not going to be uh, something ritualistic. And so the Word of God is the foundation of this psalm, and it's the foundation on which this writer builds. And he builds on it because he clearly loves God's Word. That's really the theme and where we're going to go really through this entire uh, series that we do. And we find here that this psalmist was bound to the Word of God, but it was not chains of law that bound him. It was this attraction of love for God. And, and that is the... the uh, the main theme of Psalm 119. We, we talked about the format, how it's laid out, and I don't know if, if others of you knew this or not. Maybe you did. Uh, but this psalm as, uh, is, is an acrostic, and it really consists of 22 stanzas, each one consisting of eight verses. So every section is eight verses, and each stanza emphasizes in order a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's working its way through the Hebrew alphabet, and the beginning of each section uh, starts with that letter of the alphabet. And you can see that our first one is Aleph. The next one is, is Beth, and, and so on. 
And so that's the format in which this is written. And you're going to find, again, law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, promises, the word. All of those are all words that we're going to see as they relate to the word of God. And they're interchangeable words, even though they have different nuances in their meaning. And so verses 1 through 8, the first stanza, really is going to show us what will happen in the life of a person who makes the Word of God the center of their life. And so we said we would see three things in this first section. We're going to see that the Word of God, first of all, makes a happy man. Secondly, he makes a ho- it makes a holy man. And then thirdly, the Word of God makes a humble man. And so we covered the first of those last week, how the Word of God makes a happy man. Verses 1 through 3. Let's go ahead and read this psalm or this portion. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Let's pray and then we'll just do a little bit more review and then get into the next section. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. And we thank you for the fact that the word of God is... is profitable for the saint of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for correction, for reproof, for all those things that we need so that it builds us up into the image of Jesus Christ, that we might be perfect or complete and truly furnished unto all good works. I'm so thankful that you've given us all that pertains to life and godliness in your word. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to love it more and more to be renewed by it day by day. And Lord, I pray that you'd increase our faith, grow us into the image of Christ through the Word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first three verses last week, we talked about how the Word of God will make a happy man. And we said that he's happy because the Word of God rules in three areas of his life. In verse 1, we saw that it rules in his ways. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. The word way is kind of an important word here. The word suggests a course of conduct that is marked out by God's word. It's a road that is trodden as a way of life. In other words, it's talking about a course for your life that is mapped out by God's word. And we talked about how we can walk through life And we can make the journey through life along one of two ways. We can choose the broad way of disobedience to the Word of God and the will of God. And we said there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And when we do that which is right in our own eyes, that is going to be in conflict with the truth of God and the Word of God, because the heart is wicked and the heart is deceitful. One of, one of the most tragic verses in the Bible is in the Judges, when the Bible tells us that the people did, every man did that which was right in his own eyes, and, and, there was, there was, and, and God was nowhere in the picture. 
And that is the case. We can choose the broad way of disobedience, or we can choose the narrow way of obedience unto the Lord, a way that leads onward, a way that leads upward to life everlasting. And that was the path that the psalmist was choosing. He said, blessed are the undefiled in the way. The psalmist says, the man who chooses the way that is undefiled is blessed. That word blessed In Hebrew, it's a plural word. It means happy, but it means happy, happy. It means, oh, the happinesses of a life that is lived according to the principles of God's word. People are always searching for happiness. And the psalmist tells us that the secret, the ultimate secret to happiness is to live according to the principles found in God's word. God's people are so unhappy when we start to depart from the way of truth. How many people used to sit in church pews but don't anymore? They went chasing the carrot, looking for happiness, and it's taken them right out of the will of God. And they're not happy people. But oh, the happinesses of the one who has committed his life to living by the principles of God's word. Amen? And so the psalmist says, happy is the man who has chosen this way that is undefiled. And the word of God rules in his life, in his ways. He said also the word of God rules in his walk. He says, who walk in the law of the Lord. He's a happy man who lets the word of God rule and walks in the law of the Lord. And we talked about how the word of God can lead us in decisions for life. We make decisions based on our fleshly wants, our fleshly desires that are often contrary to what God has said in His Word. But oh, the joy when we choose to commit our way to the Lord and commit our path to the Lord based on the truth of God's Word. That's why Psalm 119.105 says that the Word of God is a light and a lamp to my pathway. Amen. Look at look at verse 105. Verse 105 says thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is that lamp and the light. He says it's to my feet and to the path. You know what? The word of God shows us the direction to go in life. We can go this way, but it's also a lamp to my feet meaning that it also shines right here around my steps. And we can so often go in the right direction, but we don't necessarily see what's right in front of us, and we can stumble and we can fall if we're not looking to the Word of God to help me navigate the path of life, even going in the right direction. You follow? And so the Word of God rules in decisions for life. And then he says in verses 2 and 3 that the man is happy because the Word of God rules in his will. And he, said, he says in verse 2, Blessed or happy are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. A person who will subject his will to the Word of God and align himself with, Thus saith the Lord is the one who is actually seeking after God with his whole heart. It's not just words that one says. Oh, I love God. Oh, I I seek after the Lord. Well, 
If we align ourselves with, thus saith the Lord, that's the one who is actually seeking the approval of God in his life. And so that's what brings happiness. The second section here, which is where we're going to spend our time tonight, is in verses 4 through 6, and how the Word of God not only makes a happy man, but it'll make a holy man. In verse 4, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. We're going to see that the word of God also makes a holy man. And first of all, we find that it makes a holy man in his duty. In verse 4, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Now we need to understand some words here, and you'll understand why we're using that uh, that uh, point that it, it makes a holy man in his duty. Well, the word precepts of verse 4, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. The word precepts, it means to take charge. It means a mandate. It means an order intended as a rule of action or conduct. Um, I don't like the word mandate after 2020 and COVID. And all of that, it brings very negative feelings inside when I hear the word mandate. But you understand the meaning of it when we say it's an order intended as a rule of action or conduct. And the psalmist is saying here that God, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts, thy mandates, thy orders that are intended for our conduct. And the idea here is that is, is God's mandates upon humankind. Precepts is a general term for the responsibility that God places on mankind. And what, I'm, what we're talking about here is that, that God has set things in order. God has a law. God has a way intended for mankind to live and to operate. And it is the Almighty God who has given the law for mankind, even written on His heart. In fact, Romans chapter 2, just keep your place here. In Romans chapter 2, Paul describes this. The Jews thought, you know, they were keeping the law of God and so on. And Paul's making a, uh, trying to, to tell the Jews there's no distinction actually between Jews and Gentiles. You guys try to do the, quote, law of God through the law of Moses. But Paul says that, listen, the Gentiles have the law of God written in their heart. In chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, there's a conscience that man has in him. There's a, there's a, a knowledge of right and wrong inside of us. And who put it there? Where did it come from? It's the law of God written in the heart. You know what? That people know that it is wrong to rape and murder People know inherently that it is, whether you're a Christian or not. Where did the laws of, of, of an organized society come from? Well, we just, you know, that's what good people do. Who told you that? Who told mankind that? 
It's the law of God written in the heart. And my point here is that God has given some precepts, a command. It's a general term for the responsibility that God places on mankind. And it comes from the Almighty God. It's the Almighty God, the psalmist says, who has commanded us to keep His precepts. It's the Almighty God that now commandeth all men everywhere to repent and then to live a life in willful obedience to Him. Listen, there is an element to the Word of God that completely obliterates any choice that man has in the matter. He's like, well, that's a pretty hard statement. Well, let, me, let me clarify something for you. Because somebody might say, well, pastor, does, doesn't man have a free will? And yes, of course, God has given mankind free will. But we are free, and our free will is not to choose what is right and wrong. The free will is to choose to willfully bow before Him and obey Him. That's the free will. One can reject Him, but He will not escape the consequence of that. So you've got a choice. Did you know that all of creation obeys the will of God and the Word of God? The sun, the moon, the stars, they all obey the Word of God. The animal kingdom does the bidding of God. At the moment God speaks, they obey. Do you know what part of creation doesn't? Mankind. But all of creation obeys the Word of God, and so should we. We actually have an obligation to. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, What? Know ye not? That you're bought with a price? Your body's not your own. And then Paul says, You ought to then therefore, because you're not your own, and you're bought with a price, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So let me just make an application here. Because we, just, we, we might say and have this thought and this idea that, you know what, I know all of those things. Yeah, we, we agree with those things. You remember how we've talked about before where we give mental assent to truth? Meaning that I agree with it in my head, but there's a big difference between actually believing it when I obey it in the heart and from the heart. We say we believe God's Word. We say that it's the Word of God. We know the Word of God is the commands of God. But listen, listen, I'm telling you, sometimes we don't live with a healthy fear of God and who gave it to us. Many times we treat God's Word as if it were suggestions or as if it were not true or as if there will be no consequences for our lack of obedience to it. There are many times, there have been many times, when I have felt in my spirit, I'm in trouble with Almighty God, because my heart's not right before Him. He's God. And I have a duty to obey Him. But yet the psalmist says the edicts, or the command of God, it's not like a harsh edict. It's something I love for my soul. And I want to obey. 
The Word of God is something that will actually make a holy man in his duty, in his responsibility before the Lord. And when we live with a healthy fear of God because He's God, these words right here become so much more powerful because of who it's from. Amen? But then we note in verse 5, note the psalmist here. So he's got this foundation. He says, you've commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. But then he says this. He says, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. And we find here the psalmist, he wants to be holy even in his desires He says, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Again, we need to understand some words here. The psalmist is crying out with a longing and a desire of heart. The word directed here, it means established. It means fixed. So he's saying, oh, oh, that my ways were established and they were fixed on keeping thy statutes. The word statutes Again, it, it's, these, are, these are interchangeable words. They have somewhat the same meaning with different nuances to them. But the word statutes means a mandate. But listen, it comes from a word meaning to engrave or to be permanent. And it's, it's talking about like... It's talking about the Ten Commandments or like the Ten Commandments that were engraved in tables of stone by the finger of God and meant to be permanent. And the psalmist realizes here, he says, God has commanded us to keep His statutes and His precepts, but I realize that I'm mortal and that I'm not consistent all of the time. Oh, but I long and I wish that my ways were fixed and established in obedience to the Lord. That reminds me of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, I don't do what I really want to do and that's to obey the Lord, but I do the things that I don't want to do. That's my flesh and disobedience to the Lord. And then he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But then he says, it's Christ. Christ is the one who's going to deliver me. I don't know, maybe you've ever felt that way before in your Christian life. I really want to do right. I really want to be obedient to the Lord. But I'm very inconsistent in it. And oh, my heart is pleading and longing to be established and to be fixed to be firm in keeping the statutes, the commands of God. I know I feel that way sometimes. And it's not going to be until this mortal life is over that we'll be able to have perfect obedience. But you know what the Word of God does? The Word of God begins when we delight in it and we live by it, it begins to change this heart of mine and it begins to change the desires that I have. 
You know what the Word of God says? Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Do you know what that doesn't mean? It doesn't mean that you delight yourself in the Lord and God's going to give you everything that you want. All these desires that I have in my heart. I'm just going to obey God and delight in the Lord and God's going to give me all these things like he's a genie in a bottle, you know, that's going to grant all my wishes. That's not what that means. It means when I delight in the Lord, God is the one who is going to dictate to my heart what my desires are and then my desires will actually be his desires. When I delight myself in the Lord. And that's what the Word of God does. When I have a regular steady diet of the Word of God and my mind is being renewed day by day in the Word of God. Guess what? God's Word is changing my thoughts. God's Word is is dictating to me and changing the desires of my heart and making it more fixed and established. I look for a verse of scripture, see if I can find it. That's in my head. It's in Hebrews. I'm not sure if it's in chapter 13 or not. No, that's not where I want to be. It's just coming to my head right now, but I can't remember the reference for it. But it talks about It talks about God is the one who is going to work in your heart. God is the one who's going to work His will in you. And He will do so when the heart has the desire towards the things of God. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He says, oh, that my ways were directed. I wish that my heart was firmly fixed. But it's the Word of God itself. That begins to change when I have a regular, steady diet of God's truth. And I want you to look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. So he says, you've commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. It's our responsibility. And oh, I wish I was more consistent at it. But when I grow and I am consistent, he says, Then... Shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments? He says, then, then, if I could just be fixed, if I could just be established in doing right according to the word of God, then I'm not going to be ashamed. If I have a heart respect for the word of God, it's not going to bring shame. Now, He uses, the psalmist uses this word, shame or shamed, several times in Psalm 119. Look at verse 31. Psalm 119, verse 31. He says, I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. Look at verse 46. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Look at verse 80. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. Look at verse 116. He says, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. There are five times here where the psalmist employs either the verb ashamed 
or its corresponding noun, shame. In all five of these verses, the psalmist spoke about not being ashamed or not having shame in my life. The question then is, what does it mean to be ashamed? Biblically, it means having a feeling of humiliation or embarrassment because of some wrong or foolish decision. And it's talking about something that is contrary to what the will of God is. That's what it's talking about. In Psalm 119, verse 6, the psalmist says it's a prerequisite. He says, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. Again, in verse 80, he reveals it as a prerequisite, saying, Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I not be ashamed. And in both of those verses, the psalmist is saying, and he's teaching us that that to have no embarrassment when you stand before the Lord, have no embarrassment in your spiritual walk, it is directly related to your relationship to the Word of God. In like manner, the New Testament teaches us a very similar thought. You know 2 Timothy 2.15. It gives some instruction to us. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So then through those verses, we learn of three elements concerning our relationship with God's Word that are necessary for us to not experience this, what the psalmist calls shame, in our daily life or our spiritual walk. In first, excuse me, 2 Timothy 2.15, we learn that a faithful student of God's Word is what is required. It includes a humble dependence upon the Spirit of God to study His Word. It includes a daily diligence to engage in the Word of God. It would include rightly dividing biblical teaching in order, listen, to not experience this, what the psalmist calls shame. If you look at verse 6, he says, When I have respect, when I have respect unto all thy commandments. That would include a personal conviction in the fact that this is the truth, number one, that it's also righteous. It's the will of God. It would include having a delight in the sound wisdom and teaching that comes from God's Word. It's a heart respect. It would include submission to the authoritative correction and instruction of God's Word. Oh, this is, where, this is where we miss it sometimes. Because we would all say, oh yes, this is the truth, yes. Right? Oh yes, it's authoritative, it's God's Word, yes. But when there are elements in our life that are off kilter or out of whack or that are starting to cause... Uh, 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 problems in our life or in the church and the Word of God comes along and gives this correction in the course that we need to take, maybe not in just our steps, but the correction in the course of our attitudes. That's where we need to have that humble submission to the correction of God's Word because what's it going to do? 
Not only is it going to make you happy in your life, but it's going to bring about holiness in our life. And what does God say? Be ye holy, for I am holy. Look at verse 80. We looked at this verse a second ago. He says, Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. Here we learn that not only do we need to have a heart respect, but we need to have a heart of obedience towards God's Word. He says, Let my heart be sound in thy statutes. And it's really talking about a heart that is uh, one, one really that is repentant or one that is, that is soft uh, towards the things of God. And so, uh, when, especially when it's reproof that is coming, and it's the reproof of God's Word that transforms our character. It's the instruction of God's Word that gives us direction. And the heart of the man who is going to make the Word of God the center of his life is a man who's going to be committed to the obedience of the commandments of God's Word. And so what the psalmist is saying here is that the Word of God, when it's the sin of your life, it's going to make you a happy person. It's going to bring about holiness in your life. And this very first stanza of Psalm 119, it really crystallizes the major theme of this psalm. And the psalmist is exhorting his readers to walk in the law, for this is the way of life. It is the key to happiness and blessedness in the will of God. It's the Word of God. And walking that straight path of obedience to God's law requires a straight heart. You say, but I don't have a straight heart. Well, the Word of God itself is the thing that creates the straight heart. And so it's both. Isn't that a blessing that the Lord gives? The psalm proclaims that God's Word guides and sustains all of those who will attend to it carefully. The psalmist says, he's commanded to obey it, to keep it. Oh, that my ways were fixed on it. And when they are, I'm not going to be ashamed before the Lord. Next time we're going to see how the Word of God not only makes a happy man and a holy man, but the Word of God also makes a humble man. And so the psalmist, again, in this opening stanza is really crystallizing the whole theme of where this is going. That's God's Word has got to be the center of your life. So the question is, is it? Is it? Did you read this today? Or would you like, well, we're going to go to church Wednesday, so we'll get our plate of the Word of God then. You understand what I'm saying? The psalmist had a love for God's Word. He loved God and he loved His Word. And the psalmist says, you got to make it the center of your life. And we would all give mental assent to that, but it's proven in our practice. And like I said, sometimes we treat God's Word as if it weren't true. Or 
as if there aren't going to be consequences for our lack of obedience to it. Because we don't really let it guide our life. And if we really loved it like we should, man, this is going to be the most important thing. Because it's a light to my path. A light to my feet. Amen? It's how I find that I'm in alignment with God and seeking God's approval. Do you love the Lord? Do you love His Word? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that You challenge us with this truth. We make time for the things that are the most important to us. And I'm afraid that if the truth were known, the Word of God would be way, way, way down the list for so many Christian people. But it's the Word of God that transforms our character. It's the Word of God that, in obedience to it, that actually brings fulfillment and peace and happiness in the life of the Christian. And you've given all things that pertain to life. That means it's there for giving us guidance when we don't know the way that we should go. And the Word of God is not only a light, but it's a balm to the soul. When we're walking through troubled waters and rough paths in life, Instead of being in despair or in depression, we need to turn to the Word of God. It cleanses the way of a man. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? The Word of God is profitable for our correction. It puts us back on the right course. The Word of God can be a hammer but it's also a mirror to show us what manner of men we are. And Lord, I pray that we would do like James says, not just be hearers of the Word, but to be doers. And when we're not living life truly by the Word of God, we're just deceiving ourselves. So Lord, I pray that You'd increase our love for truth, our love for the Word of God, and our love for You. May we treasure this book as a source of life for God's people. And Lord, I pray that You'd work in us to that end. And Lord, that our characters would be transformed there's a lot of work that needs to be done in my own life. And Lord, may I always have a heart that is tender and sensitive to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God when it brings correction. May my mind be renewed day by day. And Lord, that it would conform me to the image of your Son. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.